Hey guys, good evening. My name is Toeshe Oyebade from the Reconciliation Ministry and I'm excited to be with you once again. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your feedback. God bless you abundantly in Jesus name. Amen. Beloved of God for the month of October by the help of the Holy Spirit, we have been treating the Bible character Ruth and over the um, past weeks we have seen our Ruth has literally moved from victimhood to victoryhood. Like, and um, what's even more particular about our story is the fact that even when everybody else must have perceived her to be a victim, Ruth never saw herself as a victim, right? Even when everything around her pointed at the fact that she could enjoy being a victim she could um seize the opportunity of being a of being a victim to be a pain in the house and you know many times i come across many things on social media and even in reality and it looks like some people just enjoy being victims some people just enjoy being being the one that has um, the shorter stick, and I, I, I always find this um, Reverend Funke Felix's um, sermon very profound, where she said, "All fingers are not equal, but does your own have to be the shortest, right?" And even in, even in, in the victim circle, I feel like there are some people that are victims, but also enjoy being victims. These are people that maybe out of um societal influence or how they were brought up or economy or something have you know received less in life there are some that even though they have received less in life they don't they don't um, see themselves as such they go out to do so many things to improve the state of their living you would see people like that you know what people would contemporarily call also right you see them going back and forth acquiring skills and knowledge you know just to ensure that they can leverage on what they have to get what they want whereas there are some people that enjoy being given being the being the poor you know when um, the bible says blessed are the poor many people you know enjoy that verse they want to be the one that will be blessed by people they don't even want if there's some people that i think i saw it online that a man said he was um he had a friend right or maybe he has a friend i don't know if they are still friends and usually he would send the that friend money like 2k here 5k there 10k here and all that and then after a while he felt like okay i have a structured business where he delivers cars to his clients and he says okay can you come around and since do you have a driver's um, license i think the guy said no so he said he was going to get him a driver's license like foot the bill for his driver's license since he can drive very well so that he can be like some sort of um, independent employee and in this arrangement all he has to do is to pick the cars from that friend and deliver them to his clients to the friend's clients and in that process it will fill the bill of what it would take him to, you know, fill the car for the trip. And even after, you know, 
paying for fuel for the car. He's going to also pay him money. He said on the average, it could be 10, it could be 15K just to pick a car from a, a particular um, state to another. Usually, I think the guy said between maybe Lagos to Oshun, Lagos to Ibadan, Akure, you know, all those um, southwestern states. Now, somebody that has been underprivileged in life would usually want to jump on that idea of, oh, rather than receiving 2K a year, 5K and being a bother to my friend, why not, you know, take this as a form of employment for myself? And I'll know that legitimately I'm earning this much. And if he makes, let's say he makes two, three trips in a week, and let's say the base um, fee or the base charge is 10,000. That's 30,000 every week. And now that means that if he makes 12 trips in a month, that is a 120,000 naira. The food he would use to, you know, deliver the car is on the friend. It doesn't even have to be the one to look for the clients that will buy the car. You know, all those behind the scenes that happen in business transactions. He doesn't have to concern himself with those things. All he has to do is to be at the pickup point and deliver the delivery points. But what did this guy tell his friend? He told his friend, oh, he's sorry, if you don't want to help me, just tell me you don't want to help me. Uh, if you don't want to help me, just tell me you don't want to help me. How will I be working under you? Are we not friends? Can't you continue helping me? And so the guy said he felt bad that I was trying to help. I was trying to lift your burden. How far will 2K, you know, get you? And that conversation just further reinforces the fact that some people just enjoy receiving. They enjoy playing the victim. They, even though life has given them bastos, right, which might not be as a result of anything that they've done, rather than look at the bright side and say, if I can do this, I should be able to do this. I know of of um of of um a shoemaker or a cobbler i don't know whichever one the man is is physically challenged yet this man makes shoes right he fixes shoes he makes shoes and somebody else would have felt oh since i'm physically challenged i can as well be a burden i can as well continue to receive help from the site you know that many non-governmental organizations really go all out there for physically challenged people and all those things all those packages that some of them enjoy but here is this man that is physically challenged yet he's still doing one of the you know tasking businesses you can find around so this is also esther's story esther was a widow and ideally, widows and orphans get societal pity. In fact, I remember telling us in the first week that if we want to bless people, we can look at blessing orphans and widows or widowers as the case may be. Because even God delights in blessing them. So she could have take, taken that um, opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm a widow and somebody needs to take care of me she could have taken that um 
opportunity to continue being a victim, continue playing the victim card. And then eventually she wouldn't have had a old book dedicated to herself. Now, one of the things that, you know, um, made me like Esther is the fact that Esther was basically doing her, right? She was living her life. However, while living her life, she lived it so responsibly that many years later, thousands and thousands of years later, many of us, many generations, many lives are being changed just by reading what she did. Esther did not foresee that there would be a Bible in the future. So she wasn't living for the record. She wasn't living for the accolades. She wasn't living for recognition. She wasn't living to be identified. Just by being a, a, a style of living, and a, a, a style of doing things, attracted God's favor and grace over our life. And so I'm going to ask somebody today, what are you doing and how are you doing it? Many of us, when we are committed to do, when some things are committed um, into our hands, we don't take them seriously. Oh, it's not my business now, so you just do it the way you like. Or nobody is there. Remember that Esther wasn't doing it because she figured out that, oh, thousands, what is thousands, millions or even billions of people over the years would eventually come across her story and their lives would be changed. You don't know what you will do that will bring the hand of God into what you're doing. So why not put your best foot forward? Why not always take every opportunity to say, oh, I'm seizing this opportunity to be the best. I'm seizing this opportunity to show that I can do this. And then we live so responsibly, we live so accountably to the level where even when we are not there, years and years and years later, anybody that hears our story would say, oh, blessed be this woman, blessed be this woman's spirit wherever she is because just by her living her life, just by her living her truth, I have come to a place of awareness that this is what God wants for my life. Another thing that, you know, we are learning from Ruth is whether we like it or not, our lives become lessons. Now, it could be good lessons and it could be bad lessons. It could be, oh, don't be like this person so that you don't end up being this person. And it could be, oh, be like this person so you can also enjoy the benefits of what this person has done. Now, many times, many of us, we speak about Abraham's blessings, but we don't want to move into Abraham's sacrifice. We claim Abraham's blessings. Far we sing the song, Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. We want Abraham's blessings. We want God to you know, we, we, we want the hand of God to be so mighty upon us. But when it comes to Abraham's sacrifice, we want to withhold our um, Isaac. And I won't be speaking so much about Abraham because Father Abraham himself is a whole podcast topic in subsequent um, months that we'll be doing. 
I'm just, you know, trying to let us know that we could either learn, people could either learn from our lives positively, or they learn, ah, I don't want to be this person, no, don't let me make this mistake. I don't want to be this person, no, don't let me listen to this advice. Or, I want to be this person, so I'm going to be this. I'm going to learn structure from the life of Ruth. I'm going to learn divine timing from the life of Ruth. I'm going to learn humility from the life of Ruth. I'm going to learn how to take care of my body from the life of Ruth. I remember last week I was telling us that Ruth took the advice of her mother-in-law to take care of her body, to dress well, to dress the way she wanted to be addressed, to smell the way she wanted to be addressed. Now, there was a time I put it on my status that how you smell can literally change, you know, your life's trajectory. Many people, they, they don't smell well. They're trying to speak to an investor and, you know, body odor is just, is just, is just in the atmosphere. There is divine favor. But don't complicate things for yourself. Imagine when the hand of God is already on your life for you to do exploit. But physically, you're not smelling the way you're supposed to smell. There is a, a mix of sweat and fish and, you know, a low-cost bean in, in your appearance. And so the person you're speaking to is rushing you. Like, oh yeah, be done, be done, be done with what you're saying. Because they know that once you're done talking, they want to have a breath of fresh air. Ruth wasn't dressing the way she looked when she was going to see Boaz. Remember, I remember saying that as a widow, there must have been a way she was dressed. She was not only a widow, she was a poor widow at that. So there must have been a way she was dressing. However, the day she was going to meet the man that would change her life forever, she not only dressed well, she smelled well too. She took time to invest in her body. I saw somewhere, and it's the truth, your body is your, is the, is your largest organ. I said your body, your skin is your body's largest organ. You know how we have respiratory um, organs, digestive organs, all those things. Your skin is your largest body organ. So you need to spend as much time on your skin as you spend as much time, you know, ingesting things on your inside. You also, also have to take care of your outside too. Because before people will meet the real you, they will judge you. They will place you on a pedestal of how you look and also importantly, how you smell. And thank God that this is in the Bible. It wasn't edited out. It wasn't taken out just so that somebody else will see and say, ha, could it have been that I have not been dressing well? Could it have been that I have not been smelling well? Could it have been that I'm not investing as much time in my skin as, as I should have been? Typically, Growing up, I wasn't I wasn't particular about my skin. And even to now, I'm not very particular about my skin. But I know that I have changed to a certain extent about how I take care of my skin. How I take care of my dental health. How I take care of how I smell. I've always been a smell person. Like, I like smelling. I've always liked smelling nice. But you know how some women are very particular about, oh, body creams and all that. While growing up, I, I literally did not care about creaming my body but i was always you know a saint girl i would always use perfumes and all those things i've always liked them but body cream air cream all those cream 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 
But being an adult now, I realize that it is important for me to cream. My body is going to dry out if I don't cream. If I continue having my bath and I don't replenish my skin with, with moisture, my skin is going to dry out. And it is what you give it that it will give out to you. So you can't continue drying out your skin without replenishing its moisture and expect that to give you a good result. Now, some people have good metabolism, some people have good skin, right? But beyond having a good skin naturally, you also have to invest in your skin. Lord of God, there is one important lesson that I'm supposed to talk about today, which will round up our conversation on Ruth. But I realized that October has um, five weeks. So if we exhaust everything we are going to say today, next week, I'll just be repeating things and I would not want that. But one thing I want us to know is that Ruth's um, story symbolizes the fact that redemption is eternal. I'll say that again. Ruth's story symbolizes the fact or no, not symbolizes, emphasizes the fact that what do I feel like symbolizes too would have worked? Either ways, that redemption is eternal. And so next week, by the grace of God, as we round up this conversation, we'll be saying, how was Ruth redeemed? How was it eternal? And how and how are we relating this eternal redemption into our lives today as 21st century believers? Lord of God. I call you blessed. Bye.